Welcome, everyone, to the Daredevil Podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy so dedicated to the show that he'll hide in a bloody sarcophagus with a pretty lady for as long as you need him to. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. I know who you are. Take off your shoes. The Daredevil Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 311, Reunion is sponsored by Murder Jackets, better than a car door. Pete, here we are, this episode dropping on the Sunday after Election Day and the the week about to start, our final week of Daredevil. So glad to be able to reflect on this show kind of as a, as a getaway from the real world. This is an episode where, you know, Fisk is released and the sense of justice is fleeting. And, ah, Pete, what fiction, right? What, what fictional diversions to let us prop up our feet and relax? You know, in investigations suddenly going away. Yeah, uh, delightful fairy tale world. Order in the court. One more outburst, and I'll hold you in contempt. Let's enter the evidence into the record and give the devil his due. The episode opens with Sister Maggie walking the streets of New York, hearing screaming in the distance, seeing people running running from the church the red clad daredevil decks no worse for wear from falling a story or two onto his back walks out of the church in an alley mask off Dex rages cut to nadim hearing on the radio that the nypd is en route to capture daredevil Dex enters the suv saying that the fbi via nadim needs to lock down the scene at the church karen wants matt to run she'll stay and explain everything to the cops but she can't Matt explains Dex and Nadim work for Fisk now. The credits show that the episode is written by Jim Dunn, who has written the episode Please this season, along with episodes of Defense and The Dead Zone, as well as Dara Resnick, who is an executive producer of Daredevil and has also produced shows like Shooter and Castle and Jane the Virgin. The episode is directed by Ms. Jet Wilkinson, who we have seen on Jessica Jones this year and Punisher last year. Back to the episode, outside the church, Nadim assumes command from the NYPD. Sister Maggie is there to say that Daredevil definitely left the church. She curiously watches Dex assert that old evil Hornhead is nonetheless back in the church. In the church basement, Matt and Karen are cornered. Matt fumes that the threat on Karen's life has cost Matt his one shot to kill Fisk. He hears Nadim and Dex upstairs. We see Nadim saying he didn't sign up for this. Dex says, and we know, that he did. Maggie enters the sanctuary, seeing the late Father Lantham's body from afar. She prays for his soul, her prayer interrupted by a forceful Dex who needs access to the living quarters now. When she doesn't open the gate to the living quarters fast enough, the lock is cut. She blocks their view of a blood splotch and directs the FBI to the roof. Turns out that under that blood splotch on a stone sarcophagus were Matt and Karen hiding. They info share about her plan to confront Fisk and Fisk's knowing about Matt's identity and Karen's having killed Wesley and Karen's having killed her brother. Whew. She counsels generally against killing people, though. At the presidential hotel, Fisk walks through the lobby, a cock of the walk. At a press conference outside, Donovan steps up to the mics. A second court of appeals has thrown out charges, and the Department of Justice won't pursue more. Fisk is a free man. 
Fisk says the news media with its fake stories is to blame and the attacker of churches, the true public enemy, is Daredevil. Back at the church, Detective Brett Mahoney says a number of witnesses claim Daredevil was trying to kill Karen as opposed to the FBI's story that Karen was the accomplice. Dex rages again, not wanting to tell Papa Kingpin that they have failed him, that he has failed. Nadim won't call off the hunt quite yet, though, and asks Sister Maggie if she knows the accomplices. Uh, I mean, the one named accomplice. I mean, where is she? I mean, she's supposed to be on the church grounds, or uh, the story is that she still isn't there. Sister Maggie wags her rightful and moral finger at Nadim, who, in whom she consents the rot. Maggie makes her way into the basement, caring for Matt and Karen. The good sister hopes that they will be safe here. Matt says they won't. The dogs are here. Luckily, upstairs, the dogs are misled to the orphanage, after sniffing decks, that is. Back in the basement, Matt and Karen talk about his pushing people away, including Foggy. Speaking of Foggy, his brother Theo has a press release for Foggy to read, one that recuses Honorable Fisk and blames Dastardly Daredevil. Theo says Foggy caused all of this, taking on Fisk. He receives a call from Matt and makes his way to the church, glad-handing his way into the crime scene. Nadim zeroes in on Foggy's presence. Why is he here? Foggy kills a few more seconds, then gets the signal from Sister Maggie. Nelson is there to surrender his client, Karen Page, to the NYPD. Dex and Nadim are irate, but the law is the law. Detective Mahoney stresses that they are going to leave with Karen, but Dex won't back down. Nadim and Mahoney have a sidebar. Nadim seems to tough talk Mahoney, but whispers that the FBI will kill her. Publicly, Nadim says to Dex that they'll get her back ASAP, and we breathe a sigh of relief. At Fisk's penthouse, he's not only free, but the Department of Justice insists, insists, mind you, that he gets protection from them for the time being. The cameras are coming down, and Vanessa is in the air, but Fisk needs to handle one job himself. He's taken via limo to see Mrs. Falb, who bids the kingpin take off his shoes before entering her home. He's there to see the painting, the one he wants back. She was made aware of the painting when the government took it from Fisk, ironic since the painting was taken from her family by a government in 1943. Fisk doesn't skip a beat. That means she can appreciate the power of the painting, the love with Vanessa that the painting symbolizes. It might have been given to Fisk with love, but it was taken from Mrs. Falb's family with hate, the wolves of the Gestapo shooting her father. Can Fisk even imagine what it's like to see a father take his last breath before a child? We know he can. The painting is the only connection that Mrs. Falb has to the people she loves. Fisk is a wolf too, and she knows it, and he will take nothing more from her. Fisk rationalizes that Vanessa would want Mrs. Falb to keep the painting. Back at the church, Dex sees blood on the sarcophagus and intuits that Sister Maggie is to blame. Outside, he sees her, rage buzzing in his ears, but he cannot kill her in public. He steps into a van and screams. On the rooftops, Daredevil, our Daredevil, gets ready for action. On the street, Mahoney's police car pulls over. Karen is let out of her cuffs. Mahoney has seen proof that the feds have been turned by Fisk. Karen and Foggy walk and head upstairs to Matt on the rooftop. They all agree about the past, but not about the future. Matt is going to kill Fisk. But Foggy has faith in the system, in the law. Matt says the law has been twisted to protect this man now. What's Foggy's plan? Uh, come up with a plan. Maybe something involving someone who has nothing to lose? No, says Matt. We need someone who has everything to lose. 
In Fisk's SUV, he's given the news that the NYPD has Karen Page. It was Agent Nadim's call. Fisk coolly asks for his underling's jacket, then beats the man to death. Cut to Ray Nadim racing home, finding a broken vase, but Seema and Sammy are upstairs. He wants his family to go somewhere fun. The star of Disney's Marvel's Daredevil suggesting his family go have fun at Disney's The Walt Disney World. They pack bags and start to sneak out of the house. There are gunmen on the property. Nadim shoots one, then another. Maybe he's bullseye. He hits everyone while they really keep missing him. But then he's out of bullets. However, Daredevil is there to save him. Matt says he trusts Nadim and isn't there to kill him. Ray Nadim saved Karen Page's life tonight, so Matt Murdock owes him one. Jackson, you're already badgering the witness. Well, what do you want me to give him a testimonial dinner? Who brought the heat into Hell's Kitchen in this episode? Pete, we will start with Dex, who not only has literal and figurative blood on his hands from the events of last episode, but here, ready to circumvent the public view of justice, also ready to, like, if he had a better option, go kill a nun. Like, this uh, is this is a further, further descent. Unhinged that we get the... Uh, discordant noise he hears a couple times throughout the episode that uh, he's not hearing other people speak to him so blinded by anger, rage, insanity at this point. Um, he has completely lost any compass. He certainly has. And I don't want to, overly hammer home any any real life application of this episode because at the end of the day we're here for reflection on a fictional narrative but is this what happens when you decide a little bad is okay to get what you want or to serve your perspective or or things of that sort um i'm not saying that dex or anyone is is uh unable to be redeemed but he started on this slippery slope and I mean, you, you really don't sense that there's going to be a, a journey back. There's not going to be, oh, man, Bullseye season one is going to get spun off of this the way the way Punisher was. Like, there's just not a lot of good here. There's not. And given the carnage he wrought in the church and now what he's prepared to do, I mean, for me, the scene where he's having Sister Maggie, um, you know, open the uh the door to the crypt and she's purposefully dropping the key and she has a sense although she never says it in this episode that uh he's dangerous um you know that that underscores how far he may go that nadim even needs to talk him down from the idea that he might kill karen in you know plain view here what with the gambit to get her into um brett mahoney's custody i'm certainly not uh, uh pete i'm not as good a a, a a religious person as you are i don't attend church every week and and things like that but within the context of this being fiction and there's villains and this is a show where the villains kill people and whatnot i was almost more offended by dex's um kind of implied rough handling with sister maggie to me that was almost worse than the killing that we've seen him do of course killing is worse than being rude to someone in kind of objective reality but in terms of the narrative 
you know, here she is praying for the soul of Father Lantham, hoping that literally God above can help guide the late father to heaven. And Dex interrupts her mid-prayer. Um, same thing later on, you know, assuming that Sister Maggie is about the same age as the actress, you know, woman in her late uh, 50s, frail little thing. Okay, she's struggling with the keys here. Nope, step aside. We're going to, you know, use SWAT saw to saw through the lock here. There's just a, there's a disrespect, particularly when you say she's, you know, she's an agent of the church. She's an agent of the Lord, depending on how religious you want to be about it. Can we treat her with a little tender care here? You know, just in case God is looking down, seeing you be mean and contemplate killing a nun. Like it's, there was something there that really struck me almost worse than, oh man, Dex threw a bottle at a you know, a guy in an alley and the guy's dead. Well, first off the religious worship aspect, Matt, thank you for the compliment, but just because I go to church doesn't make me any better from a religious standpoint than anybody else. I'm not some kind of holy roller. Um, but with Dex in regards to his almost completely vanished patients, there's a total lack of perspective. And we have somebody like Nadim who is under the gun, literally knows that his family is in danger by the end of this episode, needing to extricate him and them from this situation, you know, someplace fun like Disney world. Um, <laughs> you know, let's, let's not upset the kid, but we're going to, we're going to head out of the house at gunpoint and, and I'm not laughing at the plight that they're in, just the links that they've now had to go to with the corruption in the FBI and the, the humorous situation that is created with Daredevil showing up. You know, obviously I'm here to help you, uh, yet Nadim drawing down on him and th- thinking the daredevil might want to kill him because of what's gone on with Fisk. I mean, morality is a very, very shaky aspect on this show for just about every character involved right now. Well, Pete, if you'll pardon the the brief tangent here, uh, perhaps we should consider adding Nadim to the list of villains. Uh, I, as the chief Disney world planner of the family can tell you, it's 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 almost as bad as the things Dex does that Nadine would plan a last minute visit to Disney World. But oh, Pete, uh, let me take a deep breath and calm myself down here. Um, let's turn our attention to Fisk. Let's start by pausing discussion on the the direct death that he causes here. Question for you: What is the what is the purpose of the scene where he goes to visit Mrs. Falb? What is the, the what is the villainous illumination that we receive in that scene well i think it's established now that he can come and go because he's he's been exonerated that the department of justice is not going to pursue charges that he's won his appeal it's his first opportunity to legitimately step out we know that he was out previously with the crime meeting that took place in that bank vault style restaurants where uh, Dex was with him and, and killed Mr. Star. But I think it also represents his return to some aspect of a 
cultured life with other people. Yes, he has, uh, you know, upgraded his apartment in the presidential hotel, the, the suite there. But now that he's trying to get Rabbit in a snowstorm back and what it means to him, and there's even at least from a lip service standpoint, his acceptance of the pain that Mrs. Falb has gone through as a Holocaust survivor uh, and that Vanessa would want you to have it, whether or not he truly means that or not, we don't know. And then what does he do? He, he beats one of his lackeys to death in a car um, shortly after. So either just out of anger that Karen Page slipped away or, uh, and this painting that I want that I can't have. What I found so astonishing about that scene, which initially seems to be, well, all right, if he's not going to like off this sweet little old lady, like what's the purpose of it? It's in the second half of that scene where she's relating her, her past and, and, Mm -hmm relating him to the wolves like the wolves yeah. of the Gestapo, where I said, you know, this is an episode where Fisk steps in front of the microphone. He, he vilifies the news media with their fake stories. He wraps himself in the cloak of lover of church because daredevil has done bad things at churches. Um, but then later in the episode, she who has seen the wolves, she who has seen, you know, racist nazi fascist whatever label fits all those labels fit she's the one who outs him as a wolf to who to we the audience this is a scene that puts a capper on a message i think the episode is trying to give us about fisk and maybe a lesson outside the narrative too um and to have that capper of okay vanessa would want this that says to me we're probably not going to return to mrs fowl although i wouldn't rule it out but you know certainly we're going to conclude this scene with the lesson of Fisk is this kind of guy who does all of these things in this episode and somebody who of course we have not trusted but I think it's the episode trying to plant a flag and say hey watch out for people like this and I think what this show in general over its three season run Matt has really examined is the influence of people on a person or on other people. And we see Vanessa and Fisk vice versa in terms of their influence. We see Dex in particular this season and the people that he has grafted onto throughout his life to attempt to find some proper way forward. Um, it's an interesting aspect and, you know, will we get Vanessa? Will she continue to stir a direction in Fisk that is less murderous or will it be in the other direction? You know, she's been on the run now. Attempts have been made on her life. Will she push him further into the darkness? Your Honor, may I approach the May I approach the bench? It's time to step aside and approach the bench to discuss some off-the-record theories. You be the judge. So, Pete, with two episodes to go, um, you know I run spoiler-free. Couldn't help but notice on the Netflix uh, some of the 
not some of the two episode titles that remain. And to be honest, <laughs> Pete, because my brain is kind of uh, not just proactively spoiler free, but spoiler free after the fact. Um, I've forgotten the episode, the, the the title of the next episode, and only remember the content of the last one. But I want to throw out a theory here, just based on those, and if nothing else, just based on the structure of other somewhat similar types of TV seasons. Uh, Fargo season two dared to have its climactic final episode in the second to last episode, and then just spend what what ultimately was the final episode wrapping things up in a in a well-paced way um we've seen that in uh in other recent marvel tv seasons uh luke cage comes to mind where there's just really is we're going to dedicate 20 minutes 30 minutes in the finale to really wrap things up not have big battle on top of the brooklyn bridge in the final five minutes of the season that sort of thing um I, I I won't ask you a question, Pete, that you know the answer to, but do do you think these stories are better served by maybe holding their climax or, or bringing their climax up in the season to not the last minute? I think there's quite a bit backloaded to this season, and I think that's a good thing. When you look at how this season has continued to build, I mean – Episode four, fight in the jail. Episode six, attack on the bulletin. Um, you know, the, the great Karen episode, leaving us at a moment of highest tension after 309 to bring us back to this attack perpetrated in a church of all places and the murder of Father Lantham. It just continues to ratchet up the drama i think too we we don't normally have a season with two strong villains the way we have fisk as one kind of villain yes maybe the guy in charge but also dex as as an equal villain in terms of the impact on the story we need the story space to wrap up both of them this is kind of the opposite say of jessica jones season one where Oh man! Eventually, there needs to be the hero shows down with the villain has a showdown with the villain, and uh, the villain probably has to die because of the nature of his power. Therefore, she needs to kill him. Therefore, when's that going to happen? And once that happens, problems go away. Um, we need that space to wrap up Dex, kill him or not, Fisk, kill him or not, etc. So, we'll see. Let's talk, Matt. Captain Stryber here. Last seen in the Defenders, running down Jessica Jones and company. Pete, it, that's one of these benefits of Marvel Netflix, though it is getting whittled down show by show. Um, where once there were six, now there are but three. Um, but you know, you, you get these opportunities where, even for these smaller roles, you get to bring them back, and there's that kind of. That, that connection pete speaking of connections since we're talking theories um spoil this for me pete in the next two episodes are we gonna we're gonna get um turk barrett are we gonna get turk barrett pete don't want to talk about it anyway pete what other theories do you have sister maggie when will the attempt on her life come and will it be successful i think the show would be poorly served for it to be successful however 
<laughs> the show may be well served for it to be successful in that to what degree do we want to have a closed end to that storyline for Matt or an open-ended one? I, I think there's an argument to be made. Matt has finally found his mother, boom, punch in the gut. They never get that resolution. There's a certain sadness to the resolution of a lack of resolution. You know, <laughs> the loose end is tied off in that she's dead. I think, though, I just feel like with a season that has been so dark, if we end the season with like, yeah, Ma, maybe I'll come over once a once a week or something for some tea. Like, <laughs> I feel like that would be a better ending to things, given that we have just blood everywhere and, and all this. Fisk is free on his appeal here. Is this all a result of corruption, however? I think it must be that certainly is how i read it and i think that's just a gut inference as opposed to any direct evidence if you know two episodes ago three episodes ago our understanding of fisk's level of corruption was one thing then we get this massive reveal you know it's it's the very willing it's the semi-willing like uh nadim's boss it's the unwilling like nadim i mean if you can have people like those two to be looped into things, then why not a federal prosecutor? Why not, you know, why not a simple majority of the judges on the second court of appeals? That sort of thing. It's at the end of the day, I think appeals courts are maybe seven or nine judges. You know, at the end of the day, you need four or five people who are vulnerable, who can be told, do this this one time and your problem goes away. We've seen it happen time and time again, whether it's the guy that owns Nelson Meats or whether it's this or whether it's that. I, I absolutely believe, yeah, that's how far this goes. What about this reunion, Matt, for which the episode gets its name? 11 episodes deep, we finally get Matt, Foggy, and Karen in a scene together. It is interesting, Pete. You have a certain mental image of what is the foundation, what is the bedrock of a Daredevil story, a Daredevil season, and you kind of think of Matt and Foggy and Karen in the office. Well, the office has long since been gone. Their, you know, three-sided partnership has long since been gone. But it definitely is a sense of homecoming that the team is back together. And uh, in good timing too, Pete, because they got to figure some stuff out here. Um, because the worst thing would be if we end this season with a massive to be continued, knowing just what's going on exterior of the series between Marvel and Netflix, etc. And now we have one other person that knows Matt's secret. We take uh, Lantum out of the equation. We add Nadim. Are his days numbered? I think if they're... Well, let me preface my answer by saying, Pete, for questions like this, I tend to have my compass gets oriented correctly but points 180 degrees in the wrong way so i have a strong feeling for an answer i want to prepare the audience i could be completely wrong but here's my feeling he is too lovable a character as a family man as somebody who we are sympathetic with as somebody who has real problems not you know where's my expensive art but problems like am i doing right by my family am i doing enough to help uh those in extended family things like that if they kill him off, I mean that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Um, I feel like he needs to get away clean. He and Seema and Sammy need to get away clean, even if Sister Maggie doesn't, or even if 
you know, uh, Karen rides off into the sunset or, you know, any of these other options that maybe could be dealt with in a future season. I don't know that we get JLE back after this season just for a variety of, of, of reasons, including maybe that's just not where the story goes. Let's leave Ray Nadim walking out of this season with a happy ending, please. We've been using our enhanced senses to monitor the frequencies. Here's what you had to say. You know, Pete, just as Detective Mahoney updated his uh, profile page on anonymous uh, social media network, uh, I think on a well-known social media network, you have gotten some thoughts about Daredevil and this episode. Yes. Uh, Robert T. Frost writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Daredevil 308, Matt and Pete apologies on the length i took the crew painting fisk's hallway to be security in case the meeting with the unstable decks went bad i also wondered if there was a deeper meaning to have hallway match julie's decks stalked her learned little details about her and associated her with stability would the matching hallway help decks subliminally transfer the feeling of stability to Fisk's ample bosom. Do the writers actually write that deep without explaining it? We'll, we'll pause here and, and consider the ample nature of that pondering. I'll, I'll field the writer's question. Um, yes and no. It would depend. I think that they've not by this point in 311 returned to it a couple uh, episodes back. Probably no, um, but you can you can bury detail in there to to have it return to. It also uh, could be a it could be something set up for a character exit, like you know in the last two episodes. Oh, uh, look, here's a video proof that uh, Dex killed Julie because there's this doctored footage. You know, Pete, if you can imagine people like this doctoring footage, um, also potentially from a production end it could be a loose thread because they intended to do xyz whether it's my proposed ending or not you know it could have been that they had a certain direction they wanted to go and then it just got cut out in the edit whether it was that episode the next episode you know whatever it might be um it might have been linked to somewhere and then the somewhere is now gone Continuing from uh, Robert here, I believe Nadim doesn't call for backup because once his illegal search is discovered, all his evidence is lost. It's called fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine, which is a legal metaphor used to describe evidence that is obtained illegally. The logic of the terminology is that if the source, the tree of the evidence or the evidence itself is tainted, then anything gained the fruit from it is tainted as well, which leads to his original plan of pulling the fire alarm. If someone has a legal right slash reason to be somewhere and are not acting as agents of law enforcement and discovers what they believe to be evidence, then that evidence is admissible in court. Example, a lawn maintenance crew finds a grow operation and reports it equals admissible in court. However, the police cannot influence the finding. Example, the police request local code enforcement to send a crew 
to an address to clean up the yard when they really hope to find a grow operation equals illegal search. The crew is actually an agent for police. This season of Daredevil just gets better and better. When comparing all of the shows we have side by side, I truly believe this is the best season of MCU TV we've ever had across all shows, hands down. Your friend, Bob, P.S., I got a really bad feeling when Nadim called his boss. The hairs stood up on the back of my neck. Well, Bob certainly has good instinct there when it comes to Nadim's boss. Uh, also, I appreciate the insight there, not only of the the uh, fruit of the tree metaphor, but the specific example of uh, lawn maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm reminded of a Supreme Court case where uh, police suspected uh, a drug dealer you know, had drugs in the house and they went to the door, which is legal, knocked on the door to say hello or whatever, but went with a drug sniffing dog and the dog gave whatever kind of passive signal that there were drugs in the house that led to a search warrant that led to the guy's arrest court case goes to the Supreme court. The Supreme court says, no, the dog might've been on the porch, but the sniffing was a sniffing inside the house. Therefore, you know, invasion of privacy, blah, blah, blah. Good news, they ended up getting the guy on other charges and, you know, and, and all that at a later point. But that kind of line between, you know, inside your four walls and whatnot, uh, good to see that the show is the show is operating in that kind of logical mindset of uh, of our own justice system, Pete. Well, Pete, from pondering justice in a democracy to the local democracy of the people who stand up and keep us listeners supported, I want to take an opportunity to thank everybody who visits patreon.com slash fantastic geek, adding their voice to ours to keep uh, to keep us continuing on. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, and there is a fantastic thing that we have recently added their super special uh just one way to attempt to say thank you to our patrons everybody gets to choose the level that they would like to contribute at so whether you are at the mrs fob level and you don't need money anymore and you just want to <laughs> give it to uh fantastic geek or you're at the nadim level you know and and you're you're basically at the end of your credit. Uh, all are welcome, and everybody is uh, helping us to do this thing for you. If you're considering supporting us by way of earning some extra cash by working for Kingpin, you know what? You take care of your own stuff. Don't bring Kingpin into it. Other than that, great observation there, Pete. Particularly, hey, Mrs. Fobbs of the word of the world. Uh, abstract art or the tangible takeaways that you get from fantastic geek i mean come on pete we, we should be in the metropolitan museum of art we should be in, <laughs> in in moma with the uh the audio art we we send flying forth each week pete let's not get crazy well pete is it crazy for someone to want to talk to you on twitter and if so how can they do so I continue to be amazed by the number of followers. And though Twitter just did another purge and Fantastic Geek and myself 
lost some followers that uh, new ones replace them Matt never ceases to amaze me. So you can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K L R K E T E L A A R 10,111 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail where we are fantastic geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today well pete here we are entering the final stretch wednesday we will talk episode 312 friday the season finale 313 and one week from today we will wrap up season three as we await news on a future season or not or what are we doing here but uh pete the final week of season three of the daredevil podcast it's been quite a ride looking forward to how the season is going to wrap up and of course what you think about all of it certainly if you want to share feedback on the uh, on the season as a whole i'd say do it in the next couple days we're we're uh, recording a little bit ahead of the release schedule so do share your your thoughts any way that you'd like to but that pete i'm going to say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word it's not done we are not done.